Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I am here with a very special guest, Meredith Clark. Why, hi there, everybody. How are you? I'm doing great. For our $50 a month members and higher, you can see Meredith's glowing face right now. And possibly even my Wisconsin... Oh, necklace. Oh, repping Wisconsin. I like that a lot. Thank you. It was actually a Christmas present from uh, my journalism mentor. Ooh, uh, that's awesome. How are you? How are things? Oh my God. Did my cat <laughs> just fall off the bookcase? If she did, she's certainly trying to pretend it was, she, was intentional. <laughs> she's trying to walk that off. Like, yeah. oh no, I'm graceful and majestic. It's like Penny can sense that (laughs) Meredith is one of the least enthusiastic cat people who comes over and she's like, no, we're going to be best friends. I know. (laughs) I mean, I'm actually on record as a full on dog person. You are full. And like Penny knows that. And she's just like, "Mm -hmm, we'll Mm -hmm. see about that. Yeah. I mean, trust me, like she she would probably (laughs) fight Rosie for the opportunity to get near me. A hundred percent. It's so funny. Keisha is kind of the same way because she's Keisha loves cats, but she's very allergic to them. Yeah. And it's like she sees the fear in Keisha's eyes and she just like stalks over to her and starts rubbing. And I have to be like, Penny, no. Uh, But yeah, so that's happening. The video people will be able to see Penny trying to become best (laughs) friends with Meredith. Uh, How is your day going so far? Uh, It's going pretty well. I uh, actually published an essay about some serious feely stuff. Uh, Yes, it's so good. And the I've been just mostly fielding reactions from people, and they've all been very positive, which has been Great. wonderful for my self-esteem. Good, yeah. good. That was at Bustle? Yes, it was. It was a, a feature on Bustle.com. And uh, what's the name of it? Uh, it's how, what is it, how I left my fiancé and learned, or how my dog helped me love myself and leave my fiancé or okay. something. Okay, all right, yep. And there's um, an adorable photo of you yes. and Rosie. yeah on the uh at the top of the article and there are several other wonderful rosie photos sprinkled yes. throughout so you should actually read it or pretend to read it so that you can see <laughs> if you the, just want to see the photos i get it yeah i get it but there there is one of her when she was 12 weeks old which oh, is one of the cutest even cuter i mean she's <laughs> fucking adorable now but when she was a baby it was like insane uh, but you can find the article at meredith's twitter at meredith l clark um do follow her over there. Guys, we are currently in the pop culture section of Light Trees and News, but before we get to pop culture stuff, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. And over there, my $5 a month members and higher get to send questions that will answer on Light Trees and News. So I wanted to answer a couple of those now just because I feel like I was neglecting them because I was like focusing on starting a new podcast and yeah. got a little sidetracked. I but think no, I don't think anyone's really going to hold it against you. And no one has so far. Everyone's been very patient, um, which I appreciate because my life has been chaos. <laughs> <laughs> so Nicole wrote in and said, I enjoyed listening to Katie talk about her art and floor projects a few days ago. Uh, Katie Healy Wurzberg was on the show and She's very big into, um, it's a calligraphy, but she was like hand drawing cards for her family mm-hmm. members during the holidays. Um, and they were really beautiful and she posted photos of them. And then she also created this insane side project for herself where she was sanding the floor of her room and painting it. 
um, white and it actually is really, really pretty, but it took her forever. So she was talking about doing that. So Nicole wants to know uh, if there are any creative projects or hobbies um, I or any of my co-hosts are working on. Mm -hmm. So do you have any like little side hobbies you do? Um, I do. I mean, I knit. So I have done several projects recently um, and I'm currently trying and failing at knitting a bikini. Really? Uh, Yeah. I've somehow came upon a kit like a knitting kit that you can get through a couple different companies and they have different things you can try okay. so now i'm just giving it a shot so humor my ignorance wouldn't sure. a knit bikini be like is it like more like lingerie i mean it's definitely not something i would wear into the water right yeah right okay um also i'm just curious if i can yeah, do it yeah that's really interesting um do i have side projects i mean not real. i'm so busy that like if i'm not Doing shows or doing the podcast. I mean, I jujitsu. That was a, a hobby of mine. But I do. Whenever I see somebody knitting or crocheting on the subway, I get weirdly envious mm-hmm. because I'm like, that looks so calming and meditative. It really is. I would like to start doing that at some point. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to teach you anytime you want to learn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm. I know people who do like incredibly elaborate projects where they like knit quilts and stuff like that i'm i'm not that good but i can teach you the basics and then yeah yeah. oh i also like coloring which i do oh yeah like adult coloring books Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. again same thing like so calming so meditative um is smoking weed a hobby i don't think it is i mean yeah i think it's probably more of like a passion if i grew it (laughs) then it would be a hobby i used to have an herb garden like a a a very small one i grew like um mint and basil Mm mm-hmm uh, but that was very fun. But then we got wasps, mm. and that was less fun. So, yeah, Nicole, great question, though. If any of you have a hobby that you're really into, hashtag light trees and pod on Twitter. Talk to each other. Penny, no. Ugh, she is really trying to sabotage the show right now. Oh, God. She can tell the cameras are on. Yes, I know. Oh, you guys got to see Penny almost ruin the show if you're watching uh, the video pod right now. So Justin also wrote in, um, not with a question, but with a recommendation, which I'll allow, Justin. You're breaking the rules a little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> um, Hannah Howard's Feast, True Love in and Out of the Kitchen, is a great memoir. I picked it up thinking it was about working in NYC restaurants, and it is. It's also about living with an eating disorder and dating shitty men, including an agro chef uh, I'm supposed to tell Eric about this. <laughs> Eric, if you're listening, I'm telling you about it. It's beautifully written and relatable, even for a straight white dude. <laughs> Trigger warnings <laughs> for binge eating, anorexia, and emotional abuse. Wow, that sounds intense, but very interesting. Um, Meredith, are you into cooking shows? Uh, mostly just the Bake Off. Oh, I, yes, yes, yes. I am. I just can't get into the competitions. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's is not my bag i know yeah. well like uh my boyfriend really is a bit of a foodie so mm-hmm. many times when it's time to lay on the couch and then i want to fall asleep while he's watching something on netflix he'll usually yeah. turn on one of the like chef shows on have there. you guys watched nailed it uh no <laughs> okay so it's it is kind of a comp it is a competition but it's about you know those like um baking fails mm-hmm. uh like those memes it's basically a whole show about that where it's three bakers who are not very good 
competing to do very elaborate yeah. projects. And Nicole Byer hosted, and she's <gasps> so fucking funny. UCB represent. Um, and it's just so good. It's only six episodes, but it's a joy. Oh, I am definitely going to make it. It's definitely some of something this. that, like, if you have nothing to do for an afternoon, just watch that. And it's it sounds so good. So wonderful. Um, so, guys. At least I wanted to talk about, and Meredith, I want you to feel free to talk about anything you're like watching or listening sure. or reading at the moment. But I just wanted to give a shout out to Jay-Z uh, because he recently, did he do an interview with, I think it was uh, for David Letterman's show on Netflix. Uh, Letterman has a new show, My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. And... Jay-Z was talking about his mom coming out of the yeah. closet and it was just a very like candid, honest moment where he was talking about he was so happy for her uh, that he started crying. <laughs> Which I just think is so wonderful. It's so great. And it was so sweet the way she like, uh, his mom's name is Gloria. And like she didn't quite have the language to tell, like she didn't know how to tell him she was gay. So she said, um, she couldn't say I'm in love so she said, I feel like I love somebody. Which is so, uh, so sweet. And, and he was just like listening to her and like he realized she was coming out and he he was so happy he started to cry. And then, of course, he recorded that track on 444 that's about his mom um, called Smile that is great if you haven't heard it. But it was just such a pure, wonderful, loving moment that it made me really like Jay-Z. <laughs> <laughs> was like that's at least in that moment i was like damn you're a good son that's awesome i know every time he does something problematic <laughs> well yeah or you know does something that's especially moving i think oh why do you got to make me go through this emotional roller coaster I all know. the time Jay-Z. treat beyonce right and treat all women right <laughs> yeah yeah but you love your mom and it's kind of a nice um pairing with the f- existence of that movie love simon which oh, a lot of people yeah. are talking about have you as, seen it yet i haven't i haven't either um I'm totally not the target audience and like especially since my best friend uh, came out to me when we were when I was 13 Um, and then we were also really into indie movies so we saw literally every gay indie Mm. movie yes yes, that was made in the late 90s yeah and so I'm a little bit cynical about the the fact that this seems to be kind of skewing too young but uh but yeah, having an idealized universe where a teen teenage boy says, "Oh, I'm you know going to come out," and then everyone's cool with it, actually seems mm-hmm. like a really, it's like, oh yeah, other children might not be so frightened. But yeah, that's ha- how I felt about um, oh my god, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. Um, uh, call me by your call name. Call me by your name, because his dad in that movie is just so wonderful and accepting oh, that it. it like weirdly threw me for a loop and then I was like oh that's so sad that that's unusual for Mm -hmm. LGBT media I mean I I understand like that the art reflects the culture and that you know the so many LGBT homeless youth um, are homeless because their families rejected them and that that is a huge problem but it was just so nice to see a film that didn't 
play out that way. Yeah. That he just had like wonderfully supportive parents who were like, <laughs> go on your sexual adventure. And I was like, wow, like it's parents like, can be this, this way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out to the podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour. They talked about Love, Simon this week. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the uh, legendary Dave Holmes on to discuss it, too. Hell yeah. Uh, but Stephen Thompson talked about seeing the movie with his 14 year old daughter, mm-hmm. Gracie, who I remember when she was born. And it's very upsetting to me. Wow. Uh, but she's in eighth grade and said, you know, this movie would make more sense if it were set 10 years ago and not now. It's like very astute teenager, my God. But that seemed to make a lot of sense to me because I guess he's the only out kid in his high school. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that is a little... 2018 in a big affluent spot, like... I guess it's still possible, but yeah, that does feel a little like when I was in high school. Yeah, same. When I was in high school, we had like the gay kid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had obviously more, but the one out gay mm-hmm. kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same. Um, but yeah, I... Oh, my God. Meredith, you wrecked my fucking life when you oh, tweeted no. <laughs> about fucking Leonardo DiCaprio. <gasps> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> dating, how old is she? Okay, uh, this, hold on. This isn't the upsetting part because this is on brand for, Le- for Leonardo DiCaprio. How old is he? Uh, 43, I think. Okay, and how old is she? 20. How old is her mom? 38. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. She's three years older than me. Yep. <gasps> yeah. Her mom is three years older than me. Yeah. What? And she was born the same year Titanic was released. I don't want to talk about it. Let's her on. mother could conceivably have been sitting there, a pregnant teen in Argentina, watching Leo and pining, and now her daughter is the one that's fucking him. Jesus Christ. I don't really want to give you nightmares, but also it's pretty (laughs) funny when you think about it that way. It's (laughs) hilarious, but also my life is over, which makes me sad. Yeah, well, you know, you can also take comfort in the fact that her 38-year-old mom is dating Al Pacino, who is almost 80, so... (gasps) These women are making some life choices. What is happening? Oh, my God. Uh, There's nothing wrong with big age differences, people. But also, why? Like, it could only be grosser if it was Jack Nicholson and not Al Pacino. Oh, my God. Okay. I shouldn't have brought this up. (laughs) I'm so sad now. I have a a recommendation for people. What is it? Um, Has anyone on the show recommended going to see Death of Stalin? Oh, uh, yes. Eric and Faith just saw it and loved it. But I want to hear your take, too. Um, Well, first of all, for the first half hour or so, I was the only person laughing um, (laughs) because it seemed like the people... It was a pretty full Tuesday night screening at Nighthawk in Williamsburg, but... Uh, it seemed like the audience was trying to figure out is the pitch of it. Is supposed to be funny? It's, yes, it's supposed to be funny. No, no, no like, oh, yeah. I'm sure they were yeah. kind of like, what? It's the guy who did uh, In the Loop, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like as soon as you get to the head of the Russian security forces handing out the list of people to be <laughs> arrested for mur- and murdered later uh, to everyone and then giving specific instructions, like, uh, take them both and kill her first, but make sure he sees it. And then he hands the thing, and he's like, all right, guys, have a good night. And I'm, like, dying. Oh, that's so funny. And, uh, yeah, it was, like, the absurdity... A lot of the stories that are sort of... it's It compresses a big chunk of Stalin's, like, end-of-life history. Right. Some of the stories are kind of apocryphal, but most of them really did happen. And the stuff about Stalin having a stroke and lying in his own piss like for a long period of time before anyone calls a doctor and then calling incompetent doctors because they had rounded up all of the doctors in the Soviet Union. That's like 100% accurate. That is the downside of rounding up uh, the intellectuals of any society. Yeah. you you, (laughs) Fishing and killing them. um, So, I mean, that's my big like movie recommendation. I 
Uh, I also say a friend of mine bought me a copy of the soundtrack to Babylon Berlin, another excellent mm. Netflix series. Uh, highly recommend as well. Uh, you can listen to I it on Spotify. I think you recommended that last time, and I know Faith was very excited yeah. about it. Yeah, the miniseries or the series itself is fantastic, but the music <laughs> is really it's like weird jazz with the yes. strange cabaret and um, a few bits and pieces where you have old Brian Ferry singing songs in front of big or- orchestras which of course is very my shit so very much so uh great recommendations uh are you reading anything right now that you want to recommend um the usual kind of mix of books um i mean i'm reading a, a novel that i picked up and then put down a long time ago called amiable with uh big teeth and it's actually a novel that uh from a, a figure from the harlem renaissance that was essentially lost. They thought it was lost to time. And a, a manuscript was discovered a couple of years ago and it's been published. So it's about the struggle between Italian communists and Ethiopian um, nationalists in Harlem in the, like at the time when uh, like Hail Selassie, like, or I guess that, that was later, but in the moments when um, people was like African-Americans versus Italian anarchists and communists. So if, again, very my shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's beautifully written um and fascinating so very cool that's an awesome recommendation um am i watching anything or listening uh yeah no not really i i gotta catch up on (laughs) i have like my recommendation list of shit i would like to catch up on soon and i plan to next week um (laughs) atlanta legion and uh, Westworld is coming back soon, oh, which I'm very nice. excited about. Yeah, I am also watching The Americans, which uh, is... I forgot about The Americans. Why is there so much good shit I need to watch? I know. And yeah. How is The Americans? Is it still amazing? It is still amazing. And they just premiered the... this. We're only two episodes into the season. Yeah. So what I will be doing after uh, this is going home and immediately watching the episode from last night. I and know it's like probably a accidental byproduct of watching that show but i'm always like i should wear more wigs (laughs) 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 it's just like a fun sub game of that show like phillips wigs uh yeah he's he never gets the the good end of the deal with his wigs ass wigs that are clearly wigs i just want one character to be like are you wearing a fucking wig (laughs) he clearly is why does no one call him out yeah, well, he's also always wearing child molester glasses, and I don't care how <laughs> early in the 1980s it was. Those are always child molester glasses. They will always be, they yeah. They were always, like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I don't know, it was sort of like BTK, like, why didn't people immediately know he was shady? <laughs> he yeah. looked like a shady dude. Anyway, guys, it's that time of the show. Let's get to your bad news. <sighs> All right, fine. So the bad news I wanted to talk about today is the shooting that happened um, outside of uh, YouTube's headquarters in San Bruno, California. Uh, It happened on Tuesday afternoon. And what's unusual about this mass shooting, and it's so sad that we have to like say that, <laughs> like this yep. one's special for the following reason. Here's why you can actually count on hearing about this one for a while. Right. The alleged shooter is a woman. And um, she shot three people. Um, and 
so immediately, as soon as it became clear that the uh, shooter uh, was a woman, obviously it got very sensationalized and there was a lot of interest in the story because overwhelmingly mass shooters in the United States tend to be men. Uh, yeah, I think I saw that statistic that if you count um, the wife from the San Bernardino shooting, mm. she's only the fourth in the mass shooting era. Yes. So also incredibly depressing that we have of the modern mass shooting era. I know that we have to uh, parse it that way. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk about the shooter, um, and her alleged motives. So apparently now, um, at least there's some speculation that, uh, Nassim Agdam was motivated because, and this is so weird that I'm hearing about it in this context, because I have a, a friend who, uh, used to make a lot of money on YouTube mm -hmm. and he was recently bitching to me, understandably so, that YouTube did this fucked up thing where they demonetized a bunch of video content. Oh, wow. And yeah. he was griping to me about this like a couple months ago. And now there's speculation that uh, Nassim Agdam, the shooter, uh, was motivated because her video content had been demonetized mm -hmm. by YouTube. But just to, like, I was like, oh, I've heard a few people griping about this and it was just strange to hear the same grievances obviously manifesting in a very different way but like that's not an unusual point of contention you know yeah. like she's not alone in, right because well, a lot it, of people were making their living through mm -hmm. youtube well and, and it it just shows how terrifying our society is now that a few major companies mm -hmm have the power to tank an entire stream of of content. I um, mean, and, yeah. and that's, and yeah. It's the, the same like Facebook changing its algorithms and completely destroying companies who get dinged and suddenly and see their traffic go. I think people who don't make their living via online platforms, they, like they're unaware of how precarious that situation is. Like yeah. the other day, I went to go to my Patreon to do a payout and the payout site was down and I was just like, I can't pay my rent. Oh God. Cause it's down. And I was just like, that was sort of a, a terrifyingly clarifying moment where you realize how at the mercy you are of online platforms like Patreon, like YouTube. Like I can't, obviously I'm not making ex excuses for Nassim Agdam. Like this is not how you handle this situation, but I can't imagine one day being able to pay your rent and everything through your YouTube videos mm -hmm. and then you wake up one morning and YouTube's like, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's extreme. It's an extreme reaction to the gig economy and we're seeing yeah. more of this in different, you know, other industries too. I mean, there have been several taxi, like New York city taxi drivers mm -hmm. who have killed themselves specifically because they can't make money anymore. Yeah, and this that's is, just that story recently is nuts and it's not getting a lot of coverage. I've seen like democracy now cover it, but yeah, there are New York city cab drivers killing themselves yeah. because they're losing business because of Uber and Lyft and yeah. these other driving apps. Yeah. I mean, let's remember that the Arab spring started because somebody killed himself 
because he couldn't make any money. Yeah. Um, this is not going in that direction right now because we have the ability to just destroy other people's lives in a more micro level. Yes. Uh, <laughs> rather than banding together in solidarity and trying nah. to create major change. I'll but just shit hey. on somebody who's in more trouble than I. <laughs> yeah. Well, in... Um, I, I think I, you know, reading a couple of websites about uh, Nassim Agdan's videos, she sounded like a very odd character. Yes, she seemed very odd. Um, and, and, you know, whenever they're trying to look for motives in the wake of something like this, that can get pretty hairy because yeah. who knows? We like, we don't know, you know, what her, her, we don't know anything about her. So maybe it was the, the YouTube demonetization. Maybe it was that and, and a host of other you know, factors. We don't know. Um, but once again, the issue was that this woman, whatever her, her mental state was, whatever her motives were, had access to a handgun and was able to fire several rounds in a courtyard. Um, and she wounded three people and then she killed herself. So now we'll never really know. Right. Right. Um, but people always scramble to try to make sense of a situation like this. And, I get that to a certain extent. And I do think it's important if, if that was a factor because we don't talk about the dangers of the gig economy enough and, and how desperate it is making people and how unstable it, it is and could lead to things like this. Um, but also, ultimately, what it comes down to yet again is a person who is in distress was able to get a gun. Yeah. And that's really the heart of the matter. And that's really one of the issues that we should talk about mm -hmm. well it's, it's it's also really heartbreaking because this week uh also saw um the widow of the pulse nightclub yes. shooting uh be acquitted mm -hmm. uh for charges that she had helped him plan it mm -hmm. which was completely disproven at the trial yeah, it was so shady as soon as i knew they were going after her i'm like this is fucking bullshit yeah um and you see there was a conscious effort by the government to create a narrative in which she was a accomplice yes. to a certain kind of terrorism. And Instead now we a look victim at victim in a highly coercive relationship. Yeah. With yeah. a person who is deeply mentally ill yes. and distressed in a way that led to what turned out to be a random shooting. It was not motivated by hatred of gay people, given right. what they were able to show in terms of his searches and his yeah. um, mindset in different ways. Mm. Um, so it's, it's odd when we have one person who actually like went and did this herself and now we don't have any access to more insight other than what her family might be able to tell us. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, that we have like, it's such a strange thing, but we have to keep, looking at we have a new killing a new mass shooting at a time when there are so many other ripples still coming from other recent mass shootings and it's so depressing that the reason this one sort of flared up on the media's radar is because it's a woman shooter you know yeah. and i do wonder how many more women shooters we're going to see the more that like guns are just prevalent and the more mm -hmm. desperate people get i think for a long time we've just been sort of saying and to a certain extent i do think this is true men are more aggressive and, and yeah. they're more you know um well and they're, they're not impulsive yeah. they're not trained to deal with anger or disappointment right. and when that happens there's an easy sense of of like oh this is how i solve my problems right right um but i do wonder as people grow more and more desperate and 
it's easier to get access to guns um, if we'll see more women mm-hmm. turn to that as well. Um, not something I'm hoping for, but like women are part of culture and they respond to culture. And if this is a theme, a growing theme, yeah. I'm sure we'll see more women shooters. So, And I mean... I can't believe that YouTube decided to fuck with a bunch of people's, uh, you know, revenue streams and those fuckers that live in that one apartment complex all together. They're like the, millen- oh like the generation Z, like yeah. they're still making money. Oh yeah. Don't worry. Um, There's a bunch of like 20 year old content creators who share a loft apartment together. Oh no. It's like Melrose place. It's not just an apartment. Oh, it's it's like an entire complex. complex. Oh my God. That's so weird. Uh, it's a YouTuber apartment complex where they can do their own millennial, like I guess they're generation Z millennial, whatever. I don't care. The chosen uh, ones. Yeah. Um, version of late, like real life Melrose place. Oh my god! It's I saw some photos from it, and I was like, okay. First of all, this looks literally like hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, agreed. But also, I was like, uh, the gig economy is so weird because for some people, it's like a golden ticket, mm-hmm. and then there's people like Nassim Agdam, where it's like you get shut out because you're not a cool kid. Yeah, and suddenly your livelihood is gone. Yeah, and that's like that's so scary that there's this behemoth like YouTube that can just arbitrarily decide who gets to live and who dies. Especially since they're so bad at getting rid of content that is genuinely hateful. Yeah. Like I, I know they just implemented this three strikes policy where supposedly in order to combat fake news, they, this was basically created for Infowars where they're like, okay, you get three strikes a month. (laughs) And if you pass that, we ban you. So I, the last I checked Infowars was already at two strikes. Yeah. So I don't know if they cooled it for a little bit so they won't get banned. And then I know YouTube like banned a, a Nazi group recently. So they've at least been, I don't know, making gestures to look like they're getting more serious about cracking down on right wing extremism. But again, it's like, YouTube is all about those views, you know, yeah. so they're very slow to ban some people who are popular because they're like, well, we don't want to lose those views. We don't want to lose Alex Jones's views. You no, know? you need those. It's like they've created a system where the best way for them to get to hit all of their metrics is to bring out the most hateful content there is. Exactly. So now they have to they're it's like a balancing act. They have to look like they're getting tough yeah. without actually losing Alex Jones. <laughs> So they're like, okay, you can lie three times about fake news per month, yeah, but don't cry. Like, it's this weird negotiation. Yeah. I, like, can't even watch videos from the Swedish, like, Eurovision contest that mm. when they do figure out who's going to win because it's, like, not allowed in America because mm. of whatever <laughs> okay. shit. But you can find someone laying out all kinds of weird conspiracy theories about... I don't even want to make something up because right. it's too awful. But, oh, it'll yeah. probably exist. One time I had, um, uh, Keisha was over here and we were like, let's make up a conspiracy theory. And then we did. And then we Googled it and it was real. <laughs> that is upsetting. I was like, Oh my God. Uh, so you couldn't even make it up. It probably already exists. Oh, that's disappointing. Um, so any other thoughts on Nassim Agdam or no, YouTube? Just deeply sad. Yeah. And it's just so, I can't, begin to explain how it like shook me when I heard the YouTube demonetization thing. Cause I was like, Oh, there's like a part of me that kind of 
gets that in the sense like of how scary it is to have your living be so tenuous like yeah. that and to just be like well i hope patreon doesn't go under or well i hope paypal doesn't just randomly cut me off one day for some political reason yeah because i'm completely fucked if that happens yeah um that's so frightening to be at the mercy of a, a giant corporation like that and i think to a certain extent we're all at the mercy of giant corporations but especially in the gig economy mm-hmm. if you're a content creator it's like fuck i hope these giant platforms don't randomly turn on me yeah well and and, i mean it's everything from the giant platforms making you know potentially getting hacked or going down or deciding that there's a political reason not to support you to um websites and um outlets shutting down over something and then um torching their archives leaving people who are doing content creation unable to actually use that as part of their portfolio exactly yeah um Take screenshots, guys, of everything you do. Um, yeah, save as PDF also is a good one. Yes, yeah. Uh, but I, this was the same feeling I had um, when I first became aware of net neutrality, where I was like, oh, yeah, like the internet could not be free for everyone forever. You know, like <laughs> it's already tiered uh, in, in many ways and not everyone has access to it. But when I was like, it had just never occurred to me because like, you know, especially growing up with the internet, you're like, the internet's like water, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. Um, no, we got to grow up with it being a public utility. Yes. But there are a hell of a lot of people in this country who do not have it that way. Exactly, exactly. And that was a, a, a real epiphany for me where I was like, yeah, especially as someone who creates a, a an independent news slash entertainment show, I'm like, I'm at the mercy of these giant telecommunications companies. And it's like, Man, I hope they decide to keep the internet for free. Or like even beyond that, I'm at the mercy of the FCC. You know, like three people on a panel basically being like, should the internet still be free or no? Yeah, <laughs> like, that Ajit Pai has any control yeah. over your life is a deeply distressing Terrifying. concept. Terrifying, because he thinks he's cool and he's not. Guys. No, he is definitely not. He cool. is not a cool guy. All right, so before you go off. To the rest of your day, I want to leave you with some good news. All right, so your good news of the day is something that I've been talking about a bunch on Light Trees and News about uh, teachers organizing all over the country right now, whether it is in the form of protests, walkouts, strikes. Um, there is this growing momentum um, in, in multiple states among teachers of organizing and fighting for education reform and fighting for stuff like higher wages and healthcare benefits, you know, something, uh, that every person should have, yeah. but also things like making sure there's not mold in the schools, yep. getting things like doors on bathroom, bathroom. stalls, uh, soap in bathrooms would be yeah. great, you know, like luxury. Items. Yes. Not, not having to work second or third jobs in order to make sure they can <sighs> support their families. Like, yeah. And oh man, um, that's a separate rant where it's like how fucking ridiculous <laughs> that teachers have to work two or three jobs. But, um, another exciting aspect of that story is, uh, in Kentucky, uh, teachers who just protested at the Capitol are now organizing to run for office. Um, 
which is a really exciting update to the story because it's like, obviously there's a lot of powerful impact you can have um, with collective organizing, but to actually infiltrate, um, you know, the legislature itself is powerful in a, a new way. Yeah. Um, Just think about all those anti-choice doctors and how yes. horrible they've been able to make things for people. The teachers with experience in union organizing and dealing with what public schools are actually like could be wonderful. Right, right. Um, so a little bit of background from Huffington Post. Last Thursday, the Kentucky legislature passed a controversial bill making sweeping changes to the public pension system that guarantees teachers' retirement plans. After months of teacher opposition, Republicans tucked the changes, which included the conversion of pensions into 401k-style plans for new hires, into a bill that had previously dealt with wastewater issues. Oh, fuck that. passed the legislation mere hours later. So obviously, um, this sparked a lot of outrage among educator, educators who staged a quasi-strike that forced school closures in at least 25 districts across Kentucky last Friday. And then thousands marched on the state capitol Monday morning. Uh, Andrew Bailey um, was one of those uh, teachers. On Monday, uh, he filed paperwork with Kentucky's Secretary of State to run for the state Senate seat held by Senator uh, Dan Seam, who's a Republican, who had voted for the pension overhaul on Thursday night. But I just love the idea of being so pissed off at a senator that you're like, I'm fucking running for your seat. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's such a boss move. It is, it is fantastic. It also reminds me of my beloved home in 2011 when the teachers... Uh, swarmed the state capitol in Madison mm -hmm. to protest uh, anti-union legislation yeah. that was up an issue. And I know that a lot of people ran for public office after yes. that, yeah. um, including a, a woman that I met through through that, actually. Uh, and she's now, I don't think she's on the Dane County Board of Supervisors anymore, but mm. she ran against a, a dude who was very conservative, very mm -hmm. cocky, and had been running unopposed for several election cycles oh yeah man senators get real cozy because they think it's a seat for life and they need to be challenged more because that shouldn't be a seat for life no uh some other people running uh, in kentucky because i know we have listeners there and you should support these teachers mona hampton eldridge a teacher of northern middle school in somerset announced her intention to run against republican representative tommy turner nicole Britton, a teacher in washington county filed to run for the seat held by Republican Senator Max Wise. And Lydia Coffey of Liberty said she would take on Republican Representative Daniel Elliott. Coffey is a retired teacher who protested the pension changes at the Capitol. Um, so, yeah, I just, I love this so much. And I think it needs to happen way more. And I just love that. Of course it's teachers. Of course yeah. it is. It's like I'm never surprised if it's nurses or teachers because I'm like these are the people who are just good-hearted individuals who genuinely want to help people. Yeah. And they get fucked by our society. Constantly fucked. Fucked. They are underpaid, undervalued, overworked. So whenever they're organizing and just being badasses, I'm like, yeah, of course you are. Of course. This is this is what you do. It's on You're brand. About <laughs> <laughs> so on brand to see nurses and teachers striking and being wonderful. 
Um, but yeah, it's also up to us to support them because there's so much, there's so many myths out there about why teachers are organizing, what kind of people they are. Anybody who tells you teachers are greedy, you should just like roll your eyes so hard you sprain a muscle. <laughs> who becomes a teacher if they want to just make money? Like, that is li- literally the opposite of what happens Ugh. when people are teachers. I think there's, yeah, there's no way to make money as a teacher unless you're, well, no, there's really no money way to make money as a teacher. And I think what frustrates me so much about that lie is that it's, fr- okay, so when rich people say it, I'm like, that makes sense to me because you have your kids in private schools. Right. So you don't have any skin in the game. Right. But when I hear poor people spouting that bullshit it's like why do you want your kids teacher working three jobs and being so tired they can't even like focus on grading papers why do you want your kids teacher to have that horrible life that's it i mean it's it's the pure spite of an that comes from being told constantly that the only way that people can get ahead is if someone else suffers. So they think that somehow, oh, well, you're just glorified babysitters or you're just here to like get them through. Or, you know, the schools are so bad, even if you are working really hard, we don't need any more money. I mean, the biggest one I hear from people on Twitter is, well, my job sucks. So why should their job not suck? Basically, which is so sad because it's like, well, it sounds like you should organize too. I mean, that's which I know is so much easier said than done and like people risk their jobs if they organize so i'm not like downplaying how difficult it it is to actually organize a workplace but it's so tragic to see other people who are suffering shit on people who are trying to better their own working conditions yeah it's like that is not a valid reason to say some people shouldn't organize absolutely my job sucks it's like i'm sorry to hear that i heard that a lot you know back in in wisconsin it's still one of the most powerful responses to anyone trying to Mm -hmm. to meaningfully advocate for better working conditions in any industry as if like I'm sorry that you don't like your work at a bank or at a waste disposal company or I'm trying to think of others I'm trying to think of a more Wisconsin cheese making factory cheese yeah (laughs) on the cheese assembly line okay that doesn't quite work but okay yeah (laughs) beer delivery we'll go with beer delivery yes um yeah that can be very that's very distressing it is and i uh, this always happens especially during like transportation strikes where people are like oh so i should lose my job because i can't get to work because these greedy motherfuckers want to like earn a living wage and it's like there's just it's really disheartening sometimes to see the lack of solidarity among workers mm-hmm. um, because capitalists have been very successful in dividing the labor workforce, you know? <laughs> uh, but people whose only point of leverage is their labor, it's like this is their only means of negotiation, withdrawing their labor. So how else are they supposed to negotiate other than saying, we're not going to teach. Yeah. That's all and, we do. We teach. So we have is, to stop doing that <laughs> in order to like have an impact. I'm sorry anything. that it makes your life difficult or, or makes you frustrated because you think that they owe it. But you know what? They don't fucking owe it to your children to put up with bullshit. No, uh, and in fact, when the kids learn about what's going on, they always support the teachers. Yeah. Always. I've never I've never heard of kids being like, oh, Mr. Johnson's a greedy asshole. <laughs> you know, like what? I feel like I think especially kids know because they deal with the teachers on a, a daily basis that their teachers are not greedy capitalists. I mean, you know? they're they're 
100% aware that almost every single one of their teachers has a donors choose page to fund something that they can't get yep. through yep. our tax dollars because people aren't paying their fucking property taxes yep. um, because that's what funds the schools. Your schools, yeah. Um, <coughs> and they, Which is why you know, redlining is really dangerous. Yeah. Hey, guys, <laughs> see how it's all connected? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if they're, they understand that there's, this is not a normal thing. Teachers aren't supposed to be funding supplies out of their own pockets or begging for help to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think they can tell when they're being screwed. A hundred percent. Was there anything that you saw this week in the news that made you hopeful or maybe not in the news, but that you saw in your own life that made you smile? Things that made, something that made me smile or uh, very excited. Well, hmm. What have I actually even seen? I feel like I've spent an enormous amount of time on the Internet and not mm. uh, actually absorbed an enormous amount of information. <laughs> right, just dicking around. Yeah, just just looking for... <laughs> cute dog content Ooh, um, that's that's always a happy thing cute dog content yeah i mean that that always mm-hmm. feels like good news um and hmm there must be something uh my sister texted me today and said do you ever forget for a minute that uwe bowl is the name of a weird german trash director <laughs> and not an obscure african dictator <laughs> um which I feel like is good news in its own way. Yeah, yeah, um, I like that. Oh, if anybody, <laughs> speaking of cute animals, if anybody follows me on Instagram, which you should, what are you even what are doing, you doing if you're not? But I posted <laughs> Charles Rockhill, who hosted uh, the show yesterday, gave me, he gifted me a little outfit that he originally bought for his dog, who's very small, like a chihuahua. Mm-hmm. So this outfit was way too big on his dog, and he <gasps> gave it to me. It's an Alice in Wonderland oh dress. Oh, my God. And I put it on fucking Penny. And there's photos of her in her little dress on my Instagram. She wore it for two minutes before she angrily tore it off. But uh, she was a little princess while she was wearing it, and it'll probably make you smile. She's sneezing on me. <laughs> She's sneezing on me for vengeance. You know what you're doing. Penny. Oh, God. She's such a mess. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, cute cats. Cute dogs. Always good news. Is there anything that you're looking forward to? Um, well, I am going on a trip to Miami in about a week Hell and a half. Hell, yeah, you are. Uh, just for a little getaway. I'm really looking forward to it being sunny and oh. actually warm. Guys, I can't explain the bullshit that's happening in New York City right now where we'll get like one day of a high of 50 and everyone's like, it's happening. Spring is here. And then the next day it fucking snows. It is never actually happening. That has happened three times. I think it's supposed to snow on Saturday. Yeah, it is. What? I want to die. It's April. Well, for you guys, it's April 6th and we're going to get snow. Fuck this noise. I left Wisconsin for a goddamn I know, reason. I'm so pissed. <laughs> I'm so mad. And you know we're not going to have spring. It's just going to go to a million degrees in the summer. No, we don't have spring anymore. That's one of those things we lost in yeah. the climate change. Oops. Oops. Climate change took our spring. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We have like one week of fall and we don't have spring anymore. <laughs> oh. 
Oh boy. Uh, so that's a good one. Looking yeah. forward to Miami. Um, I, uh, my family is coming to visit because my cousin is getting married at the end of April. So mm-hmm. they're all going to be out here, uh, which would be very nice. My parents and my sister, um, all of us four have never been in New York city together. Very nice. Um, and Oh, tomorrow I'm going to see the David Bowie exhibit at the Brooklyn museum. Yes, I've heard good things. I need to get down there to see it. Yeah. Um, tell me how crazy crowded it is. I will. That's my only thing. Like how long you have to wait to get in. Yeah. I know Melissa went when it like first opened and it was really long the lines, but I'm hoping that's like died down. Yeah. They do like timed entry like every 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. I think we got our tickets for two 30. So I'm hopeful that it won't be too insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am going to Cuba Woo! with uh, Rachel and Chloe, which people should know them from the show. Uh, we found a crazy cheap flight and um, a friend of Rachel's had like a connection for a very, very cheap Airbnb, which is very um, nice. Yeah, it, it actually ended up being cheaper that we wanted to do like a girl's road trip. And it mm-hmm. actually ended up being cheaper than other options wow. that we had looked at. So we're going to do that. And hopefully Chloe won't end up in jail. That's my biggest fear. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chloe is going to go to jail. <laughs> Please um, do not end up getting broke back pa- or broke uh, back house, broke down palace <laughs> happening to you <laughs> in like Cuba. Really, my greatest <laughs> fear. Where she uh, she disappears during the course of a night, and we don't know where she goes. So we're gonna have to put a bell around Chloe's neck. Oh my god! But I'm very much looking forward to that. That will be nice for uh, also warm weather. Yeah, um, that'll be great. And yeah, um, anything else that you're either optimistic about or you saw recently overheard is always a big one I like oh I'm trying to think now if there's anything really awesome that I've overheard I've definitely been taking great delight in um, stories of cryptocurrency bro suffering Um, specifically that the crypto, a lot of the Bitcoin and crypto markets are tanking right now because the dudes made all of this money in Bitcoin and then suddenly had to pay taxes on it. So now they have mm-hmm. to sell the Bitcoin so that they can pay the taxes they on forget their about big taxes? profits. <laughs> well, they certainly forgot that the government doesn't take Bitcoin. Oh, they're <sighs> so stupid. Here's the thing though. I, I dabble in the trading as well. And when, by dabble, I mean so I know you have like 50 bucks or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I have a total of 60 bucks in there. And like I, I initially invested 60 and then it spiked. And so I cashed out, I had like 200 bucks or something, but I'll do it like in really, you know, tiny amounts like that. But I do keep track. I have it up in my browser right now. I do keep track of how they, and I bought, so I cashed out a 200 and then I waited for it to tank again because that's always inevitable. Yeah. And then it, I thought, it had bottomed out. Oh my god! And I bought like sixty, and it somehow went even lower. And I was like, "What oh my is god. happening?" Uh, but yeah, I do keep an eye on that, and it is a fucking shit show right now. Let's—I haven't refreshed it today. Let's yeah. see what it's doing. Um, yeah, it. So like, it crashed. Um, oh yeah, it's still terrible. It crashed like over oh my here. Lord. Yeah, like in, in March thirtieth, I thought it bottomed out, and then as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> it somehow went even lower and I was like what the fuck this whole thing is rigged this is a scam and I know that uh, but I still like it is weirdly fun and addictive um, just I had a friend who originally like gave me a bunch of advice about like how to set up an account all mm-hmm. that she was just like 
never, ever, ever, ever invest more than you're comfortable losing. Right. So, of course, for me, that's like 30 bucks. <laughs> you know, like I, I have no money. I'm just like, this is like for walking around money sure. if it spikes one day, you know. Um, but that's great advice if you get into it, like because it's so volatile right now because oh, it's all it's a not. fucking scam and it's a huge bubble and it's going to crash violently. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Guaranteed. But yeah, uh, the people, I know people who are not super wealthy who have like thousands of dollars invested. Oh, it just hurts it me hurts. to think about. It hurts. And it like, they have kids and stuff and it's like, you should not be fucking around with this. That is not the place you should be investing your money. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah. The next great bubble that's going to burst. Um, uh, after the yeah. student debt bubble, guys. Um, so unfortunately, I guess that means that the thing that I'm, a thing that I'm happy about <laughs> is, uh, is basically a thing that allows me to feel schadenfreude and kind of based but on for spite, crypto bros i feel like that's okay like the the prior two episodes to this one my good news of the day were bad things happening to republicans fair and yeah. i was like i think that's okay mm-hmm. like yesterday's episode i think it was um alex jones being sued for defamation again but this one could go before a jury Ooh. and i was like that made me happy <laughs> so oh. i was like Good news. I also just thought of something else that yes. makes me very happy. Uh, there was a special election in uh, Wisconsin on Tuesday. Shout out to the hometown. Oh, actually, it wasn't a special election. It was the, the spring election, but it was a Supreme Court race. That was a big deal. Um, the conservatives and Scott Walker um, allies have were able to really stack the court. Yeah. And it was pretty, pretty terrifying for a little while, including the dude who once strangled one of his fellow justices. Let us not forget that David Prosser. Uh, yes, he got into an argument with her and then he <gasps> put his hands what? around her neck and uh, yeah, he was not kicked off the court and he was not actually punished because there were no uh, other witnesses or there were not. The other witness was a the liberal judge. So they couldn't be trusted. Liberals lie. Yeah. So uh, well, that, anyway, that's assault, buddy. Oh, yeah. But he's fine. Um, but there was a very progressive person who was getting hit quite, quite hard by Walker and his people. And she kicked the ass <laughs> of the dude that was running against her, who was the handpicked oh, so Republican satisfying. choice. Uh, and the turnout was enormous. There were yeah. a couple of wards in, um, in Madison, of course, uh, that had like 70% turnout. Whoa, that's huge. Um, so she ended up, she kicked his butt. It was like 56 to 44. Awesome. Um, Great. Absolute blowout. Um, completely changed the map from the 2016 election. Wow, that so, is legitimately good news. Um, yeah, so that's going to be... That's not that's us fashion. just like, being like, <laughs> ha ha, cryptocurrency bros lost their money. That's like legitimately yeah. good news. So now the conservatives still control the court, but it's five to four instead of six to three. Good. Um, and seven of the Supreme Court justices are women. Fuck yeah. Although many of them are conservative, and sure. oh my God, are they like... Yeah writing in their college They're newspapers like, that gays need to be converted we're or something. so conservative we hate women too <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty good yeah um but they yeah also scott walker lost his court case when he was trying to prevent special like not call special elections which means uh and he was specifically trying to avoid that because he didn't want these two state senate seats to go up 
uh, on the election that just took place this week because he was worried about high turnout. Um, so now they're happening in June, which means it's going to be, you know, another round of all yes. of this stuff, which means that once again, the people of Wisconsin will have endured a full year, if not more, of um, like specifically election bullshit. Um, which is like the fourth time that has happened yeah. since um, the recall. Anyway, so that will be coming By up the way, in June. Uh, people in the, in the video <laughs> can see this, uh, but I have a recall Scott Walker sign, which I do love on so my very bookcase, much. right there. Um, so, um, guys, please yeah. follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L Clark. Thanks for having me once again. Oh yeah, of course. Please share her great article on Bustle and uh, read it. It's it's really good, and I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, and yeah guys thanks for listening and get out there and cause a little trouble <laughs> <laughs>